da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. So we begin our treacherous climb through the month of September with Operation Finale. This is a movie that probably could have come out earlier in the year, probably could have come out late in the year, but it gets the uh, coveted opening weekend of <laughs> September release date. I mean, how stoked were they when they got the news back in the studio? Be like, it's going to be September 1st, guys. Good luck. Thanks for making this. Thanks for the time and the money and effort. September 1st. Yeah, that's got to be a bummer. That's That's got to be right up there with, uh, with Universal opening that Tina Fey, Amy Poehler movie. The same Star day Wars. as Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> That's just like, cool, we got Labor Day. Uh, so things are going well for us. Clearly, clearly the studio believes in us. It's tough. That's a tough one. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, director, Chris Weitz. And uh, this movie stars Ben Kingsley, Oscar Isaac, and the lovely Melanie Laurent. We will be talking about that extensively. Uh, in our movie of the week segment coming up a little bit later. So if you're here for Operation Finale talk, skip forward about 30 minutes because we got a lot of movie news and rumors and rumblings to go over tonight. If you're joining us for the first time, I am Kent. I'm joined by Brian and Richard. Hey, guys. Sups. Hey, pals. How was y'all's Labor Day weekend? So labor intensive, just poof. All that labor. I don't know why we have to have a whole other week, a whole weekend to just do labor. That's rough. I don't know. I may have misinterpreted Labor Day, but uh, <laughs> I went to. Uh, I just hung out with my OBGYN friends. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, did you birth a watermelon like Dwight Schrute? Or <laughs> yeah. it's crowning. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a good, La- good last weekend. free weekend for you, Kinto. How was it, it was, except for I worked all weekend, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and there was no game, if that's what you mean. There was no football, yeah. NFL game. Uh, but there is this weekend, uh, getting really ready for that, and uh, looking forward to Oscar season, actually. I'm just trying to get through the month of September with these movies. Yeah, um, It's going to be rough. This is like the driest spell we've ever had, since I can remember doing yeah. this show of like content on which to do the show. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like eighth grade yeah, we did last week, and that right. was that's been out a month. Right. You know, it's like it's I've never I don't remember three weeks like this where mm-hmm. you're like, ooh, yeah. where you're doing six million dollar movies every week. Yeah, it'll pick up at some point. October's pretty stacked. There's it's a lot of I don't think there's a lot of like hits in October, but there there's a lot of movies that you kinda wanna be like, Hey, could you guys just move that up three or four weeks so we could talk about it now instead of Having to do twelve episodes in October or something that'd be that'd be better. But we get Predator in a week or two. That'll be big, and and then that yeah. uh, the uh, oh the Joaquin Phoenix movie is getting really good buzz. Yeah, the, uh, the Sisters that'll be Brothers. the Sisters yeah. Brothers. Oh, I thought you meant yeah. the uh, won't the we he won't get far on foot. The Gus Van Sant one. Did that already come out? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I'm not it sure. It just went to VOD. Uh, Did it? Yeah, that's oh. it came out. I yesterday. keep waiting for that one to hit the theater. Or, yeah, you know, the indie cinema, and it streaming. still hasn't. I guess it's just on demand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'll have to check that Jonah one out. Jonah Hill and Joaquin. It's pretty good. I'll have to check you it know, out. I'm a, Joaquin, I'm a Joaquin stan, so. Yeah, Sisters Brothers looks awesome, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's getting a really good buzz. Standing ovation at, at uh, TIFF this last week. Really? 
It yeah. looked like yeah. a million ways to die in the West. She loved it. Part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's an odd. I don't know what to do with that trailer. I was very. The trailer left me in a spot where I was like, that could either be a great movie or the worst movie of the year. I'm not really. We got sure a what very odd was. response from our my screening uh, audience. Uh, yeah, kind of like. You can yeah. really judge a lot about how a movie is going to be received by just the response from the trailers. Mm-hmm. If there's like any type of rumbling after a trailer, usually it's going to be good, but so many. I mean, <laughs> just dead silence. I mean, just, not even like a just breath hear after so many trailers. Scratching their heads, I would, like, yeah, I would hate to be a director and be in a movie theater and see my trailer come up and it's just dead silence. Like not <laughs> not even a cough afterwards. Just like everyone right. just in stunned not an exciting stun, just like, right. please, right. let's let the next trailer play so we can move on <laughs> from our lives. But, um, okay, lots to talk about tonight. A couple trailers I want to get to. Um, but there's some movie news, rumors, rumblings. Um, definitely some news. Definitely some rumblings. Mm, and um, rumblings. some uh, prequel rumblings as well we'll get to. Ooh. But, um just to play off last week a little bit, we discussed the um, ongoing need for more Joker movies. And uh, <laughs> what I actually did do on Labor Day um, when I got home was rewatch The Dark Knight. And um, man, what a great movie. I mean, every freaking time I watch it, it's uh, it grows on me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, normally, it's the opposite with superhero movies. Right. Um, I just get tired of them. I... I become aware of the plotting and the bits and and everything there's just so much nuance to the dark knight that um man night 11 years later now it's uh it, man, it stands the test of time but on that note uh, we discussed not enough piss jars for me personally no. that's not only that's my one complaint about the dark knight well luckily they heard that complaint and in batman v superman <laughs> no shortage of piss jars in that movie <laughs> none um, thank goodness in courtroom scenes, by the way. His jars <laughs> in the court. Um, remember how we had a bit for like eight months before that came out about how it was going to be this courtroom drama? And it actually <laughs> ended up being yeah. a courtroom drama. That was great. Oh, God, it was good. All right. Um, so we talked about the Joker standalone. The Joaquin Phoenix Joker standalone, which I'm still excited for. Excited to see what Joaquin can do with that character. Um, there's a lot left to the imagination with that. We haven't really seen much of him on screen other than Jack Nicholson and and uh, Heath Ledger and what Mark Hamill's been able to do in animation with the character. There's a lot you can do with it. There's prequels, there's sequels, whatever you want to do. Now I'm in. Um, having said that, we were all excited about Alec Baldwin jumping on board and being Bruce Wayne's father. But apparently the role after he read it, or maybe he agreed to do it and said, yeah, that sounds great, and then he read the role or became a little bit more clear, apparently yeah. this is a kind of Donald Trump spoof character. <laughs> um, it's set in the 80s, apparently, and this Gosh. is a – Bruce Wayne's dad was like Donald Trump. He's this rich, um, snobby, celebrity type of guy. Um, and Baldwin is known for that on SNL, so I'm sure when they were thinking of casting that role, he uh, – he was the first person that came to mind, <laughs> and uh, and that's it. And so he um, he tweeted, I believe, that said, "I'm not doing the Joker movie. I'm not gonna be 
I don't know, they're dumb Trump or something like that, or they're <laughs> fake Trump or something. So, yeah, he's out. Oh, man. That not, lasted not about news. a day and a half. Yeah. yeah it's good. Literally the morning after we talked about it, he announced that. Right, so. right. Maybe he watched Suicide Squad. was like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want to be involved in this. This, is, this sounds terrible. Yes. Or The Hangover 2 or 3. <laughs> <laughs> or Project X or whatever that was called, Project 21. Yeah, well, that's my favorite movie. <laughs> I, yeah, it doesn't inspire confidence. And like, I mean, people come and go from the cast, and directors change over, and things like that. That it happens. It's just it is a continual pattern with this particular studio and this particular branch of that studio, right? Like, I I, I don't know. In any other world, I would be so pumped for Joaquin Phoenix in this role. I think it would be really cool. I just. I would say I would continue my trend of saying anything that comes out of the studio, I will never, I will never hold excitement for another Warner Brothers DC movie ever again until they do three good ones in a row. At that point, then I can start. I mean, you could be like Michael B. Jordan and Ryan Gosling are in a movie directed by Steven Spielberg, and I'd be like, nah, let's see how they screw this up because that it's just we we're we've too far down this this hole for me. But I, I love for good things to come out of this. I'm definitely more excited about this than I would be like the uh, oh whatever else they're doing with Joker. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's a lot of red flags still in this one. I'm all in on a on a Joker prequel though. I think it'd be really interesting. On just the transformation it, yeah. from person to man with makeup. You know, I think that'd be really interesting. Just the psychological journey. Um, yeah, maybe paper, he's a little too old cool. to do that, though. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it'll be. It's one of those things where, like, definitely would like to know more about it ten years ago, but now it's just been so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just so like, even though I like it, uh, you know, I also like uh, the Jungle Book, but I didn't need nine <laughs> other Jungle Books. You know, <laughs> it's like all right, sure, Joker's, and also the Joker is. Uh, what makes him very menacing, like a lot of great villains in history, kind of motiveless, pure evil. Iago comes to mind or something. He's not especially uh, flushed out because he's just sort of a, a anarchy introduced into any script. And so do we care about him for two hours? Because kind of what always makes him awesome in both incarnations that have worked, Nicholson and Ledger, is that he's not in the movie very much. Like he's just kind of mm-hmm. um, this little awesome accelerator push that then goes on to other things that carry the plot. I just don't. I just, he doesn't have the the requisite pathos to like care because that's the whole point of the character is that he is just evil for no reason, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And now, how do we build? I assume he's the. Ant- how do we give him a reason? This? Yeah, yeah, and, and also, how do you? I mean, you root for him in terms of mayhem because it's such a charismatic cool character but also you don't like root for him like you do walter white right you know Mm -hmm. that he's evil so you're not gonna right yeah i don't know how you add him like well he only does this because you know (laughs) you're like all right well this is a pretty big lead piece yeah i don't know yeah one of the one of the great touches and subtle touches of the the dark knight is that every time um the joker talks about his past or you know his history or how he got the scars or it's always a different story it's right. never it's you know one time he's talking about his dad the next time he's talking about his mom and then it's 
there really is no reason. Um, and so that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know where you can go prequel wise, but I'm interested to see. But I think it's going to happen. Nonetheless, they got a director, they've got um, screenplay in place, and actors committed. So, nonetheless, Joker coming out 2019. Um, speaking of 2019, you mentioned it, Richard. The Jungle Book Mowgli movie. Um, it was called Jungle Book Origins at one point, I think. And uh, now it's called Mowgli, which is the Andy Serkis um, Mowgli Jungle Book movie. This movie was actually, I think, ac- um, announced prior to the Jungle Book uh, you know, coming out and being released. And um, that has since come out and been released. Well, uh, the WB's circus version of that, if you've seen the trailer, I'm sure you might have. Um, let's just categorize this under hashtag dumped on Netflix. Because yeah. Netflix has acquired the rights to this and they'll put it on Netflix this year, I believe. Instead of um, maybe next year. Yeah, it's a 2019 release. But um, yeah, they bought the rights nonetheless. And um, I guess it's going to come out, but probably <laughs> shouldn't have ever been made in the first place once yeah. the actual people that made the Jungle Book decided to make the Jungle Book again. Right, had the IP to the songs and and everything. That's the thing about the IP is that Rudyard Kipling is so old; it's probably yeah, it's probably public, public domain, domain or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, it's like Sherlock Holmes. It's synonymous with Disney. I don't, I don't really understand the logic. The Little Mermaid yeah. might be public domain too, but <laughs> we don't need a Sony Little Mermaid, you know. Right. It, it just, it was unnecessary. I, I, I think the idea was solid. Like, it's public domain, so you get it for free, and there is a lot in the Rudyard Kipling book that isn't covered in the Disney Jungle Book cartoon or uh, the new one that we had you know, a couple years ago. But we definitely don't need multiple Jungle Book movies in the same couple of years. And, and also, I mean... You know, look, Disney can Disney takes a lot of flack for how it runs its business and all these other, it, lots of things that you can say, but they make good movies. So when you just generally speaking, they make good movies that appeal to mass audiences. So when you line up just right across the line from them and say, "Yeah, we're going, we're going head to head with Disney on this," the same movie, like you're gonna lose that probably ninety nine times out of a hundred. Like that's a very difficult proposition to pull off. And they spent so much money on this too, and it's that's a bad that's it's a bad look for Andy Serkis, who we love. This is his first like big budget movie to direct, and now it's going to be dumped on Netflix and has very little hope of of like have of reaching any sort of aspirations that they had going for it. That's <laughs> that's a tough that's a tough loss. Yeah, this is Warner Brothers, and this seems to be their strategy of um. The IP, public domain IP. For example, mm-hmm. um, this is just in the past few years with Warner Brothers. They did the Sherlock Holmes, Robert Downey Jr. series, which was decently successful. Yeah, it's got a third one coming out. And then they... Um, soon-ish, next year, I think. And then they doubled down on that with the King Arthur movie from Guy Ritchie that we got last year. And then Pretty we, awesome <laughs> snake, though, right? Yeah, great. Yeah, great snake. <laughs> um, 
they doubled down as well on Joe Wright's steampunk version of Pan. Remember that? Oh, gosh. And yeah. uh, Brian Singer's Jack the Giant Slayer, also a product of this. And let's not forget Legend of Tarzan from David Yates. Oof. Uh, the Edgar Oof. Rice Burroughs Tarzan. So, um, <laughs> yeah, not good. Not great. And also, yeah, it's not what you want. Yeah. That uh, Warner Brothers at one point had a Beauty and the Beast movie in development <laughs> that got killed due to Disney. So right. maybe they need to rethink this whole strategy or, you know, like I've said before, come up with original ideas. <laughs> That's it's, ridiculous. It's weird and crazy. That's ridiculous, Kent. Gosh. But hire people that can come up with original ideas. I wish ideas. you would right. keep your radical jungle, views off this podcast. The jungle novella. <laughs> What if Boom, we call original. it Jungle Book Origins? Oh. oh. Um, yeah. Snow White and the Huntsman, another one. Um, that was kind of countered with Mirror Mirror in the same <laughs> month. I think we got two Snow White <laughs> movies. It was very weird. I'm just kind of over all these. I'm over all yeah. the, the old trying to make it new. Yeah. Um, and there needs to be like a Books that were popular in the 1920s that we need to right. make. Yeah. Right, yeah, we need a committee. For, uh, we we'll do it. I think. Well, I'll speak for you guys. We'll be happy to serve as the committee for this. But if two competing studios are trying to make the same movie or or a movie based on the same source material, they have to bring it to us blind. We don't want to know who. We don't want that to sway us, right? Like we don't want to know who is uh, what studio is pushing which, and we just decide which pitch is a good pitch and which is going to lose, and the loser cannot make that movie for five years, at least. That's <laughs> that's the new rule. That's how it works. This is the Dante's Peak volcano bit. Like We, we don't need this. We don't need two movies about the exact same thing within uh, a short period of time. So, I think, I, I mean, I think that works pretty well that committee goes pretty far i'm just blown away every week when we come on the show at the amount of executives or whatever that just don't understand what people want to see so many trailers come out or so many movies are announced that i'm just like no one's gonna care no one's Mm -hmm. gonna want to see that (laughs) and they flop and they spend 50 million dollars doing it and they're like whoa you know, we had great people involved. It's like it really doesn't matter. It's it's all about I don't know the initial idea more than anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And you can convince yeah. some th- somebody, but I'm just the, nobody seems to have a sense of the general pub the general public. And I'm not saying that we do, but um, there's a lot that you can tell by just the initial production the pre-production of these movies you know of whether it's going to work or not and um, so i should have jungle book origins is one that of... you could tell wasn't going to work <laughs> yeah adaptation of what uh gungadin the other lesser known <laughs> rudyard kipling right yeah i think that one plays yeah <laughs> okay because i've sunk a lot of my personal wealth into this and taken out some pretty substantial loans several yeah. jet skis to make this happen yeah uh, exactly i am jet ski i am not jet ski liquid right now I am. <laughs> yeah but no you're right Kate. like that I'm goes sorry. back to richard and i joke about this all the time with with nba players of gms that take like our consultancy for the nba would just be to come in and ask before somebody before teams are about to uh make a draft pick or maybe sign a free agent and we just say we just ask the question what do they do you know you you talk Mm -hmm. about how 
well, he's very athletic and has a lot of length and, and all this. And we say, okay, but like, what, what does he actually do on the court? And that, I think that carries over to what you're saying there, Ken is like, okay, it's awesome that you got a cool, like everybody likes this cast or this director or whatever, but how, how exactly do you think this is going to play with audiences? Well, but it's got, I mean, it's got the rock. We're like, okay, but that's not, that's not all. Maybe the rock is the one, exa- you know, the exception. No, he's not though. I, I know. He's yeah, right. I mean, it's, and, and I think people also in these, these roles, <laughs> I don't know, and this has always been the case, and this is a hard thing to be, are not self-aware enough to understand that their particular maybe sort of esoteric interest is not a sure, sure. thing. Right. Like, you know, I would love a movie about, uh, I don't know, Pat Buchanan, but, like, I don't think a whole <laughs> lot of people are going to flock to the theaters to see that, right? So, like... Uh, Gosh, got to mark that idea off. Crap. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, it's called reform <laughs> um, but uh, yeah so like I just I know that whatever weird nerd stuff which we all have that is super interesting to us is not mass yeah. appealing and then also whenever things are done the things that work are when you get this kind of magical potion of self-awareness if it is sort of weird like a Fast and Furious movie um, where everyone can kind of be in with it and be like, this is not my thing, but I enjoy being around this thing. Mm-hmm. Then it all, always sure. works. And you can see that kind of stuff coming. You know it. I do think I have a pretty good... I'm not uh, forward-thinking enough to like... And so this is sort of armchair quarterbacking, like to think of it ahead of time. But you do know when you hear like even three years out that X Studio is doing this and you're like, mm, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. You sure. know, like that. Sure. Like in that, I am like 99% batting average when I think that years out before like seeing a script or a trailer it's like mm, yeah it's time there has it like the Meg this year mm-hmm. the minute I heard about the Meg I was like that's gonna make a lot of money even if it's not good like as long sure. as that's adequate mm-hmm. there hasn't been that kind of movie in a long time and that's the cast that's gonna make people yeah it's gonna get hardcore shark people and people <laughs> that are there to laugh at a hardcore shark movie right. all are gonna go see that and like you just know yeah and then you see the trailer and you're like mm, yep definitely gonna make a lot of money I just think the the really advanced studios are the ones that are able to kind of see that coming mm-hmm. ahead of time and like it's really just like a rhythm thing. Oh, we haven't done right. this because you're all remaking crap on sub level now because no one does original movies, maybe three a year. So it's just knowing, oh, this note or feeling or aesthetic has not been done in a while, and let's do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, definitely. And I, I would say too, I think part of the problem is the lack of middle budget movies like there's so many movies that we look at and we're saying and i would say that might be a good movie and that might do okay business but if if the budget has to um exceed if if we're going to spend 150 million dollars on this movie then it's going to be a failure no matter what because of uh because we're we're putting too much on the line with this it's like as we we've talked about this, you know, a hundred times, but there's just there's no middle movies anymore. It's it's it seems like everything is a huge blockbuster with the four hundred million dollar budget, or a tiny indie with the three million dollar budget. It's those middle movies that have kind of gotten lost. And to me, I feel like that's a market inefficiency. I feel like there's lots there is money to be made in that space, but I don't feel like the studios feel that way at all right now. Yeah, I can't disagree. Perfect example of this scenario is a movie that's out right now alpha that we talked Mm -hmm. about for years literally about no one's gonna care 
And it came out certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Great reviews. Yeah, it's way better than we thought it would be, for sure. Better than anyone thought, and no one cares. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, it's just the general general sense of what they brought was what no one cared about. Not that they didn't care that it was going to be bad or whatever. It was just the overall feeling that you get from that is not something that people wanted to go do, you know? And we um, all know that dog's going to die. Right. (laughs) We're all out on that. Right. Oh, so... The guy dies, fine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think I really do think there's more more emphasis needs to be put on the twenty five million dollar movie that yeah. has the potential yeah. to be a two hundred million dollar movie rather than the four hundred million dollar movie that could be an eight hundred million dollar movie. Yeah, you know? I would I would say even the, the twenty five million dollar movie that has the potential to be a a fifty or sixty right. million dollar movie. That's I mean, that's the one that you know, the movie we're talking about tonight, Operation Finale. That's a twenty-four million dollar budget film, and I don't know, you know. We'll get into the review here in a minute, but like, it didn't make a ton of money. But you can look at that and you say, well, it didn't make a whole lot of money, but it also didn't cost us a ton, and it seemed like a decent. It's I would say that this seemed like a decent bet, regardless of the overall quality of the, you know the finished product, but. Yeah, it's it's it, it feels like every movie is a swing for the billion dollar fences, yeah. and that that's not necessarily a, a good uh, business model. Because what happens is you get a, if you get a movie, Warner Brothers is the worst culprit of this, where there so many of their movies are fi- are like supposed to be financed by what they have made on the DC movies, and then when the DC movies underperform, it's like gosh, that costs us. Five hundred million dollars to make and and uh, market and all this sort of stuff, and that its return really hindered what we're doing in our smaller movie departments, and that's that's not a great, it's just not a great long term strategy. But again, I feel like we are kind of talking into the wind when it comes to this because that's something we've been saying for years, and it it's not really shifting at this point. Well. What if I told you that a new Willy Wonka movie was on the way? <laughs> Would that pique the interest? Is Donald Glover Willy Wonka? <laughs> that was the rumor at one point, and that excites me. But just in general, no. Like, that one for me is all about the casting. It's Simmer Gosling is what we heard in the way back. I'm right. cool with either yeah. of those two yeah. things. Both of those excite me. If it's and a director that I would be interested in, either someone I don't know. <laughs> the director has been announced. It's um, Paul King who did Paddington. Oh, that's actually okay. fine. All right, yeah, yeah, right. that's good. I'm in on that. I like Paddington quite a bit. And it's coming from the producers of Harry Potter and Gravity, and script by Simon Rich from SNL slash. Oh, I'm totally in now. Oh my god, now I'm so yeah. in. Holy yeah. cow! They could literally cast Tony Shalhoub, and I'm in on. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So this is supposed to be a this. prequel about how he becomes Willy Wonka, which I'm in on. We never really know how he gets the factory and that sounds all awesome. that. I think that could be cool with the right casting. Simon Rich is so freaking funny too. Like I don't know how he'll tone that down, right? Cuz it can't be su- super farcical, but gosh, the parts that will be funny in this movie will be so funny. Hopefully. Maybe John Mulaney. Wonka is Wonka. Wonka. Oh, that would be amazing. Hello. <laughs> he would actually be perfect. He'd be just kind of quirky enough to confuse people. Yeah, I think that'd be great. I think um, that's a story that 
unlike the Oz the Great and Powerful movie, you know, Ugh. I really think that uh, if they did Wonka right, I think it it could bring back some good feelings. It, if, and as long as Tim Burton's great. not involved or Johnny Depp. Yeah, if, absolutely that. And it's crazy because it's like, ah, oh, they just remade that. But it's like they by the time this comes out, that will be almost 20 years old because that was 03, yeah. Yeah. 04, somewhere in there. So, like, you know what I mean? It really hasn't been a while since we've been in the Wonkaverse. So uh, a whole new generation of kids that that's to, – to most kids now, that movie seems as old as the Gene Wilder one. Like, they're both just old – Mm-hmm. Movies, so right. that'll be interesting. Grandpa Joe sucks in both of them. Just putting it out there. Yeah, he does. Satan's the worst. <laughs> he is the worst. <laughs> we need to do it. We need to do an episode on just Grandpa Joe. <laughs> Gonna have to edit that. Oh, one you got heavily. a golden ticket? I'm magically healed <laughs> yeah, from this yeah, paralyzation. Yeah. 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 Oh, we're eating cabbage soup. Cool. Can come you on, give me come on, Charlie. Kid? We can drink this fizzy yeah. lifting drink. Nobody will care. <laughs> Grandpa's the worst. <laughs> um. All right. Thanks for cleaning up my feces while keeping a <laughs> right. steady right. job. My daughter. Yeah. Right. Or scene. even worse, my, my daughter-in-law <laughs> of my dead son. Right. The Thanks scene where he gets my feces. Charlie I'm gets out. the golden ticket, and he, his face is like, Gosh. oh, oh, now's my chance. My legs are working. Oh, <laughs> it's a miracle. <laughs> Oh, good lord. Dishbag. We've been eating hot water soup <laughs> for years. But Grandpa Joe gets have, his pack a day, so. We got, yeah. <laughs> you gotta smoke. Gotta maintain that smoke. Sorry. Gotta have your cabbage soup. <laughs> One candy bar a year we can afford, but gotta get Grandpa's old stove. She puts yeah. more water in the, the cabbage stew. Like, oh. But he's smoking. I I hate you, Grandpa Joe. <laughs> couldn't have, couldn't have picked up an Uber shift <laughs> a couple times a month. Satan, help your daughter slash daughter in law. Yeah, he's the worst. He's like, yeah. Now I'll just say he's. I mean, worse than Hitler. I think we can. Grandpa Joe. Yeah. 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 More. <laughs> Speaking of Hitler, uh, <laughs> let's talk Operation Finale, guys. Doctor, my belly aches. You've got butterflies in your stomach. You got a Charlie horse. Operation. A broken heart of corn. Operation. The whitest primus crew. Operation. I'm the doctor for you. Operation. Remove the pieces and collect your fee, but don't touch the sides. Water on the knee. Operation. How to melt a tree. Operation. A fair rib or two. Operation. I'm the doctor for you. All right, so I don't know if I was confused, misled. Um, Maybe I'm just not a history buff as much as I like to think that I am. But I really could have sworn that the trailer of this was about the assassination to kill Hitler. Like, or something was mentioned about that. (laughs) And then, like, you've seen the title card that this is not about Hitler at all. And so the, from the first minute, I was like, oh, well, I guess we're in for a different ride than I expected. <laughs> I thought this was about the failed assassination attempt yeah. to kill Hitler, and then ultimately Hitler took his own life, whatever. But I thought You may it would be, be confused with the director's dad was involved in that plot in real life. That's why it's like a weird choice that the American Pie guy would do this, but his dad was like a famous part of uh, that plot. 
in World War II. So maybe you like deep dive this movie and then read that and then just I think put I them together in your brain. I do. Um, anywho, it's not about Adolf Hitler. It's about Adolf Eichmann, another mastermind of the um, Holocaust, the World War II, etc. And bringing him to justice and... <laughs> the World War II. It's like Ohio State. Yeah. The uh, the Great War. The war to end all wars. And um, this is a subject matter that I always, I don't know, kind of enjoy cinematically. Um, I find a lot of education from these types of films. Um, often they're not respectful enough to the situation. And... Although this film had some sequences that were well executed, some dialogue scenes that were well performed and uh, well choreographed and everything like that, um, overall I felt that this movie was extremely tonally inconsistent, never really knew if it wanted to be this sentimental Holocaust movie or a Monuments Men kind of caper um, and it never really found its tone. So biggest issue with this, totally inconsistent from start to finish, never found a tone from from frame one to the end. And um, decent performances all around. I was educated a lot by some of the events that happened. I don't know how truthful they are, but uh, nonetheless, I knew nothing about Adolf Eichmann before, and I know something about him now so that's pretty much the extent of it but i'm um, excited to hear y'all's thoughts on this um brian yeah i thought uh i knew i did know what the movie was about so that's maybe i had that uh advantage over over you kinto um tough tough to be named adolf right like you can't if if hitler didn't do it then eichmann did that that's the kill of of uh of that name all around i i very much want i this whole the story surrounding um, the trying to find the uh, the leaders of of the Nazi part and the the search and the Nuremberg trials and all the stuff that goes that kind of surrounds this movie is very interesting to me. I I love history was like my favorite subject in in uh, school and whatnot. I was a history major for a brief period of time for some dumb reason. And uh, I, I, World War Two is very interesting to me and the. And everything that came out of that, um, I've always been uh, fascinated by and, and wanted to to know more. So I knew a little bit about this uh, the story um, coming in. I I feel like this is a movie that is it's like it's a noble intention. I like I think this is a story that is definitely worth being told, especially as we're. We somehow found ourselves in a a, a cultural era where um, Nazis are back, bro. <laughs> yeah, where we have to like, like remind vinyl. people that this is a real thing, uh, which is just mind boggling to me. But but here we are, um, and so I, I I think that it, and it's clear to me that this is a this is a real passion project for for Chris White's, and it's also clear to me that like this is maybe why passion projects are a really tricky situation. I just don't think that he's the right guy to direct this movie at all. And I maybe write it, cool, great. I know that he has a very personal connection to the story because of the you know the his father's background that you mentioned, Richard, and and that's 
that's all well and good, but you're spot on, Kent. The, tonally, my gosh, it just it felt all over the place. I thought that I thought once the last like 30 minutes are pretty solid. It it fi- it's like it finally found its groove and kind of had a little bit of, of momentum going and that was cool and and that was definitely the best part of the movie I thought. But it takes a really long time to get there and in I don't think the most efficient ways throughout. There's just it, I don't know, there's odd focus on characters and the acting outside of like the the name cast is very suspect i thought and it just i don't know it ultimately is one of these movies that like it reminded me did you guys see trumbo a couple years ago the, yeah. the cranston yeah. it reminded me of that where it's like that's worse than this though yeah absolutely absolutely agree um but it's it it's like it kind of uh that that kind of movie it's like well it's it has a good message, so it must be a good movie. And I'm like, well, that's not the same thing. Like, it can have, you can yes. be, you can be trying to tell an important story. You can have great intentions. You can be have all these things right. But if the movie isn't good, it doesn't. It's not good just because the story is important or heartfelt or significant or whatever. I mean, I don't know. That's something that like that I I feel like I face off with a lot in the christian community is like christian music or movies or what have you is are so often uh very bad but like but the intention is good and so we like oh well you know it's got a great message and i'm like but that doesn't make it a good song or a good movie or whatever and that's that's how i felt watching this i i can feel i can see what what uh what weiss was going for i can i can understand um, the passion behind it, and I think it's a really valuable, important story that we ought to be highlighting again because for whatever reason we're it's it's important again uh, culturally significant to point this stuff out again. But but uh, gosh, I wish it was I just wish it was better. That's that was my takeaway from the vast majority of, of almost every scene. I'm like I feel like that should have been a lot better. So yeah, Herbie. Yeah, we're going to go across the board here. This is a pretty, uh, you know, a movie about assassinations in a war should should not uh, have a whole lot of dryness to them. (laughs) This does. You know, there's huge parts of this movie where you're just like, oh, my gosh, I'm so bored, which is one thing. If it's a, a nice story about a couple in the northern england living in a farmhouse but this is about an assassination of a world war ii so it's like it's kind of hard to um, fathom uh there's some real tacky stuff here it's just some of the materials just not handled well you know oscar isaac is good in everything and that makes this movie much like brian Can- cranston is in it was trumbo right mm-hmm, trumbo mm-hmm. yeah there's trompo which are incredible tacos over here <laughs> on this side of town if you guys ever want some good street tacos i don't need um, anything with starts with trump so <laughs> you should I, uh it this is these are delightful but shout out to them if you guys are in the dallas area for for good street tacos uh that but you know that that's the same thing cranston's fine in that he's a fine actor but it's still just you can't you know Leonardo DiCaprio and J. Edgar kind of thing <laughs> uh, where, you're, where you're like oh they can't even save this and this is uh, you're right there's weird tonal jumps from I just saw this like an hour ago so it's fresh like weird total jumps from not so much comedy but just like weird 
light. You know, he's trying to kind of be everything here. There's some like Indiana Jones adventure stuff in here for no reason that it's it just it, you lose right. grasp with the character, uh, with the plot, with the sig- historical significance. Uh, and and Chris White's has made he made about a boy right with his brother in addition to mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. Pie. It's one of my favorite movies ever. I love that movie. He's definitely someone who's capable um, and has made some good stuff and some really bad stuff. Uh, but it just this just doesn't it just man this was a miss this is a perfect but i will say not gonna make my it won't make my bottom 10 of the year i don't think and it perfect perfect movie for labor hit weekend just like wow that's <laughs> so forget it like none of us wanted to go to the movies this week anyway perfect movie to have come out like in a mm-hmm. lot of ways like it's stupid on the studio's part they probably could have gotten some more cash out of it but uh but at least it, it fit i felt like i was watching a movie on labor day weekend when I watch this. So there's that, I guess that's all I got for, for now. Awesome. Just to touch on a couple of the, um, tonally inconsistent parts. Um, I, maybe it's just me, but I'm really sensitive to this subject. You know, I'm not Jewish. Um, I have a relative who's since passed my grandpa who was fighting during this war. So, I relate to it from that aspect, but um, I don't know. Just the tone of this film, to mix the Holocaust with with a lighthearted caper, it just doesn't work. I, I can't. Yeah. And not to, it just this movie didn't have to be that way. There mm-hmm. there shouldn't be punchlines in this movie. There shouldn't be comic relief in this film. There shouldn't be. And if and if there are, they should feel. We should feel organic. tasteful, right? Or yeah. like. Um, natural to the characters. I, I don't know. There's just, there's a scene. This is where it got me the most, where I was just like, wow, that just happened. There's a scene where there's a truck, like a pickup truck or a dump truck that's driving down the road. And this is in a flashback sequence, driving down the road and stops. And they open the back of the truck and it's full of dead Jews, like top to bottom, full of deceased you know, juice. And it's very, you know, moving and like, wow, it really puts it into perspective, the mass murder, et cetera. And then we, the next sequence, we have Ben Kingsley sitting on the crapper with guys trying to get him to take a dump. Like that was seriously the sequence. And I was just mind blown at that. Like how anyone could let that scene even be in the movie at all. Let alone right in the middle of the most harrowing Holocaust footage that we've seen on screen probably in the past couple of years, right? Um, it's just super disrespectful, I thought, to anyone who came to this that had relatives that in the Holocaust or anything like that. I would not see them leaving this like, wow, thank you for that. Thank you, Chris Weitz, for telling that part of the story. You know, if anything, this kind of, I don't know, redeems the the adolf eichmann in a way kind of makes him a likable guy which i don't know if that was the intention but um it certainly felt that way i kept waiting for ben kingsley to just pull a trevor and be like it's not me you know and they almost they hinted at that in here there's a scene where he lies and says it's not me i'm you know i've lived here my whole life i'm not the guy you're looking Mm -hmm. for and i thought that would have been a great twist if they had found, quote-unquote, Adolf Eichmann, 
Ben Kingsley and it had been somebody else and they had to go find somebody else. I thought that would have been a good twist, but it didn't go that way. But yeah, man, I was just offended by the funny scene here, dark scene here, funny scene here, dark scene here, and then trying to mix in the love story with yeah. Melanie Laurent and then his family story with, with uh, I mean, Oscar Isaac's family story with his stuff. And um, we got Nick Kroll involved too. There was just Weird. a lot going on here. This It felt like it should have taken a about 10 steps down on the lightheartedness for it just to be yeah. a, a, an effective movie. Yeah, I would agree. And I, and I think too, you mentioned there that the scene where it, it, it's multiple scenes, but especially the scene where he um, is trying to, where Oscar Isaac's character, Peter Malkin is, is uh, really getting to know it up. Eichmann. And I think what, I think what they were going for was trying to show that, how what a great manipulator this guy was and how eloquent and well-spoken he was and how good he was at getting into people's heads but what it came across as was you know there's two sides to every story you know and that's i don't i really don't i know that that wasn't his intention chris feist's intention I, i know that's what that wasn't what he was going for but that is how it played and that's that's a really yeah. obviously I, that's not what they're going for but it's also it's kind of like a risky proposition to to go that route so i don't know man i i could i get what he was trying to do but it was it was very difficult to watch those scenes i that are i think are supposed to be like sort of the emotional core of at least the b story if not the whole movie and for me i was i was i was very uncomfortable i was just like i feel like we're missing our mark big time on this and it's coming across as a sympathetic character not as uh, a monster who is a great manipulator yeah it came off as let he use out without sin throw the first stone right like uh, we all do stuff we regret and he's like oh yeah i was out there but i didn't enjoy it as if that makes it all okay mm-hmm. you know like he says he was just a pawn in the scheme of the entire um system of the war of what the Nazis were doing, but he still let it happen. It doesn't change Mm -hmm. what happened just because he regrets it now or didn't enjoy it at the time. It still happened and he still um, should be held liable for that. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just, I wanted this to be at least respectful. I didn't feel like this was respectful enough. And that's sad. I mean, if I could go in here, not expecting a great movie, but like, wow, they really, you know, they paid their respects to the people that died. And, um, you know, I learned a little bit more along the way about the characters, or not characters, but uh, people that lived that I didn't know about previously. Mm-hmm. And this brings more context into the end of World War II. You know, this could be an educational right. experience, if anything, not a, it's trying to be a movie more than it's trying to be a story that happened. I don't know. I don't know if, if, if that's a, the right criticism, but it just felt like, Oh, we need, we need, um, comic relief here. Nick Kroll needs to be in here to add some, you know, it's gotta, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I would start maybe at step one and say, I don't know that Nick Kroll needs to be in this movie. That, that might've been, that might've been the first choice. And that's maybe not fair to him. But it just douche. was, the whole time <laughs> yeah. yeah the yeah. douche just, from uh, sausage party 
No, uh, no Parks and Rec. You. That's you, Parks and Rec. Yeah, crazy I Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Richard, what was the radio guys that we that we talked? What was your pitch? Do you remember something in the goat? I don't remember what the. Oh, uh, I don't remember. Other one. Was. I have one. I have another one, but I cannot say it on this podcast. But I do have. <laughs> yeah, it was something in the goat at the time before goat got to be too big for like greatest of all time stuff. Right. right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think I, th- Mickey I thought Big Mouth and the Goat. <laughs> yeah, uh, nine fifty AM. Nick Kroll did not help with the tonal issues. It was just very, very difficult not to look at him and take him seriously. It was very difficult to take him seriously as the, in the role that he was. Yeah, it's not playing. Tarantino, and I don't think that's his fault. Yeah, exactly. With, right, with, uh, right. You know, Ryan from The Office. You know, it's yeah. Horrible. It's not like you can um, get away. If you're Spielberg casting David Cross in that movie, and it working right, mm-hmm. it wasn't too jarring of a right. transition for that to work. But yeah, this this definitely jarred me. I've got some notes here. Let me pull up. But uh, Brian, Richard, just off the top of your head, what was something that you really enjoyed about this, if anything? I thought the last 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, where they're trying, when they're getting Eichmann out of argentina and and onto the plane and all that sort of stuff it was fairly cookie cutter and and not like the most uh enticing filmmaking of all time but it it, the i don't know the requisite mild tension and pacing and whatnot was there i thought that was that was a solid at the very least you felt like you ended on a high versus so much of the the movie where you're just kind of like muddling through and and trying to get to the next sequence. I, I I thought I thought if the movie was more like that consistently, I would be much higher on it than I than I am overall. If, if that last thirty minutes kind of s- represented the more of the two hour timeline, then then I would have enjoyed the the movie more. Yeah, Arby, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, there's it's a kind of it's always a good thing when when uh nazis get caught so that's good um <laughs> so i like that part of it you know um, yeah, we are, just for the record we are pro nazis getting caught sure i just want to make sure we put that uh <laughs> yeah so i'm trying to think of some interesting filmmaking flair it's just it was kind of like a almost a history channel movie with better actors in it in some parts so i'm just trying you know it was yeah, really totally. really basic Oh god! It felt in a way like it was trying to be Argo. Did you get that sense? Yeah, there's some especially with the airplane scene and the trying to sneak by security. That was like almost beat for beat the Argo sequence of them in the airport and the guy checking the IDs trying to get them on the plane. Right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very similar. There's some Argo to it. There's some. uh, Jealousy the debt with Jessica Chastain and Helen Mirren mm-hmm. a few years ago. It's kind of got that, a little bit of that to it. I think it super missed on creating the tension that Argo was able to create. And that's maybe that's totally unfair because that movie is like the best, you know, one best picture and everything. So maybe it's not fair to say it's not as good as that. But I would say clearly that is an inspiration for what, what they were trying to uh, achieve and they fell very, very short of it, I think. Yeah, the goal of this movie really was um, in the lines that said, um, if you fail, he escapes justice, but if you succeed, he's made an example of. Just the just the whole notion of we can't let this guy get away because if he gets away, 
everybody gets away with it. You know, he was the last person yeah. for them to capture to put out there, you know, for the testimony to happen with all the uh, survivors, right? For the, the entire hearing to happen, for the world to hear what happened for the first time, right? On television, it was televised. Um, an extremely important event in history, kind of the resolution of, of all this and finding him. Um, but having said that, like I said, it, is, it deserves a more respectful telling. And I say that all to say, um, this movie, I don't know if you guys were blessed to see it. I sure was. They released a re-released trailer of Schindler's List right before Oof. this. That sh- like was like the the thing you see before this movie, which was a huge Gosh. mistake. <laughs> because right. Schindler's List is this is the movie that you know the the grail of war movies movies in general really um and steven spielberg went into that knowing the level of respect that he had to have to shoot that you know and the yeah. delicate nature and have to think about everything and how everything can be interpreted and what actually happened and I mean, had I not seen that trailer before this, maybe I'd be a little bit higher on this movie, but I thought it did a huge disservice to put that right before here. Just the cinematography and the music and everything. Just like, well, can't we just watch that (laughs) instead of watching Operation Finale? But it makes me excited for them re-releasing that this December in in theaters. Might have to go go check that out in 25 years of Schindler's List, which is my number one Spielberg movie and and a masterpiece. And... um, yeah, did not do it any favors by I guess you haven't seen the post, huh? I have. I have. <laughs> really liked it. Yeah, me too. Shut up, Richard. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's a bad idea. Don't, don't, don't put this in this. Don't tr- put that in the minds of the viewer as they're about to watch this movie. If it, I just that's a, I get the idea. Like that's a on paper, that's a brilliant idea. Uh, in in execution, that's a mean thing from from the uh, from the theater manager to do that. That's that's tough. Yeah, it's like coming soon, re-release the original Jaws. Now here's the Meg. You know, it's like not. Yeah. <laughs> it's very yeah, different. That's, that's tough. Yeah, I mean the Spielberg movie the, Munich. This felt like a like the most c-team version of of munich basically which is another one of spielberg's better films but i don't know top 10 or top 12 or something yeah but, munich rules um but that's if we're drawing inspiration from a spielberg movie that's probably the one you're you're wanting to get to and and instead we get we get this i think you're <laughs> rich i think you, you hit it on on the head that the the idea that this was like a history channel movie that that feels pretty accurate pretty accurate probably should have been yeah and if it is you're like oh that was you know that was decent for a history channel movie but not it's a little bit higher standard when you're actually in in theaters yeah there were some um action sequences that were okay there's a capture sequence on the side of the road that that was uh when they were trying to capture him and put him in the car and all that um i think that was pretty well done. There's a dialogue scene between Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley that's very touching where he's talking about um, Oscar Isaac's family and it's it's kind of where he breaks Adolf Eichmann, right? Where he's mm-hmm. talking about the baby being held up and being murdered, right? 
and Oscar Isaac gets in his mind that that was his child, you know, and there was a lot that, a lot more that they could probably do there to, to over-dramatize that situation or make that more of the central focus of the film, but they didn't do that. But we got a, we got a, a good six minutes of Ben Kingsley on the crapper. So, <laughs> I mean, what? You got to cut something out, you know. Not cutting out the crapper. Yeah, it was weird. I felt like uh, I, you know, I mentioned I didn't feel like the supporting cast was very good, and then I felt like outside of Kingsley, you could have replaced Oscar Isaac with literally anyone, yeah. and the same with Melanie Laurent, and it would have been this. It would have had the same movie, and that's that's a major. That's an indictment as much as anything of of the direction is like Oscar Isaac is great and Melanie Melanie Laurent is great when she's not and now you see me you should be able to figure out how to make them at the very least pop off the screen as charming characters or intense characters or interesting characters and and really you you could you could pull somebody out of like a sprint commercial and put him in place of uh, Oscar Isaac, and it would have it would have felt the movie would have been the exact same. Uh, that that's that's a misfire, big time. A couple other um, jokes that I found, like what? There was one of Oscar Isaac where they're like fighting, and he's like, "Why are you getting so close to my crotch, bro?" And just like out of <laughs> nowhere, <laughs> and then um, somebody says. New fridge. Who'd you kill to get to get that? I didn't like that either. That was kind of ugh. Um, that's really it in terms of the complaints. But mm. like I said, I enjoyed uh, enjoyed it from an educational aspect. Um, ben Kingsley always brings it. We would like to see him do more interesting things rather than this. And uh, Oscar Isaac is an A plus actor. It elevates pretty much anything he's in. And um, yeah, that's that's pretty much um, all I got <laughs> on Operation Finale. I'm ready to grade this one out. I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts, complaints, or um, will we ever talk about or speak about this one again? This is so forgettable to me. Like no. I might not ever think about it again. No, I don't think so. I, I would say if. While if you saw this movie while it is still fresh in your mind, go and read up on Adolf Eichmann and the hunt to find him and all the stuff that comes out of that, and just kind of maybe get get some information into something that you may not know a lot about. But this movie itself is is utterly forgettable. This movie should have just been a documentary. Just make a documentary about this. That would have been way better, I bet. Mm-hmm. But they showed some of the actual footage at the end. Which is the best part. Um, and just wish that they had paid a little bit more attention to the detail. Um, it wasn't very well shot. The music, I have to mention the music, was terrible. Mm. I know I like Giacchino. That's part of what made it feel like a TV movie was the music. Uh, yeah, I, I had like a note my, on that. Yeah. Michael Gia- sure. Giacchino, who I believe did this. Um, but the opening sequence, the credit sequence was a joke. It was like Danny Elfman carnival music over they're like putting pins in a map. Remember it? It was so super low budget and looked bad and sounded bad and set the entirely wrong tone for what we were about to experience. So I'm going to leave you guys with this question. Monuments men or this? <laughs> wow. Well, uh, that's tough. At least they're just tough. Oof. 
man. Monument <laughs> feels like a bigger miss because of just the cast and the story that they're telling and everything. Like that feels like a bigger misfire, but it might be might be more interesting to watch again than this one is, which is saying something more about Operation Finale than than Monuments Men, I would say. Yeah, Richard. Yeah, they're so disappointing both in their own ways. I Monuments Men is is I think I think I hated that more just for whatever reasons. There's a difference yeah. between bad and not good. I mean, this is not good. <laughs> Monuments Men was bad. Gosh, what a mess! What that that still bums me out. Monuments Men still bums me out that that wasn't. A great movie, let alone just a decent movie. That's that's a real bummer. The clones, man, I'm telling you, some people just Rough don't have they don't have the Rough eye, patch. man. Rough patch. They've got they've got the skills in front of the camera, but they don't have the eye behind it. You know, it's it's that's why it's so encouraging to see Bo Burnham like just destroy as a director. It's so awesome to see that, you know, because mm-hmm. not everybody can do it. It really is uh, tough. I'm excited to see Jonah Hill's debut. Early, uh, later this year, his directorial debut with uh, mid '90s. Later on, yeah, I know Rich one of us about that one. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a twenty-four. I'm sure it'll be good. I yeah, just a twenty-four. Uh, I have my own. I have my issues, and I love Jonah Hill, <laughs> but we can get into that another day. Issue with the movie coming out. I hate Street Style, and I hate Harmony Same. Corinne. And this is a basically a love letter to Harmony Korine and Street Style. And I yeah. just hate those two things. I'm not saying that they're bad things. I just hate them. We all have aesthetics that we don't like. And a I movie, might say Harmony Korine's bad. But okay, yeah. You, I don't want to speak for you. Yeah, yeah. Go sure. ahead. Go ahead. But anyway, yeah. so a movie reveling in that is yeah. just like... But you know what? I'm, I also don't like the Eagles. And the Eagles are a great band. So maybe it'll be awesome. So I'm excited for it. Excited to see the style... He chose, and um, Trent Reznor did the uh, soundtrack, so I'm excited, excited about that. that. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, and um, that. could be. It's a lot of a lot of cool movies coming out of TIFF. I'm excited. I'm really excited for this Oscar yeah, season. Awesome. Well, I feel like more so than than the last couple of years for me, at least. This, there's a lot of a lot prediction. of prediction. I have prediction. Yeah. I think um, I think First Man ends up being like the best movie of the year, maybe. Like the Apollo 13 of the year, you know, just like everybody leaves this year to kind of talking about that and what an experience it was. But I think Old Man and the Gun is going to be my favorite. Me too. That looks awesome. I'm pumped for Backseat too, man. I love Adam McKay so much. Serious yeah. Adam McKay is my favorite yes. thing. Yeah. The uh, Jake Cheney one that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah. With yeah. Bale and Amy Adams and Carell and Bill Pullman and Sam Rockwell and. Just awesome guys. And there's been a really strong year of independent cinema this year. I like I was go, going over my tentative list of just what I've been watching and rank ranking, and I would say out of my top ten, like seven are lower budget or independent movies that are that I've really liked. Um, so this has been a strong, above average year for the uh, under the radar films. I feel like, and um, hopefully that continues. All right. I'm pretty solid in my top ten now, so if if you know one, two, three, four, five things get knocked out, I think it's going to be a pretty stellar final three months of of 2018. Okay, let's grade this one out to Operation Finale. I'm going to grade this one out as a B minus. 
It's watchable. It's fine. Um, it's not bad. It's definitely not good. B minus. <laughs> I'll give it a C. Uh, I'm pretty bummed that it it couldn't find a way to be to tell this story in an, a tonally interesting and appropriate and successful way. Uh, it just feels like it feels like a missed opportunity to really get a story out there that probably needs to be told. So it's a it's a C for me. Uh, I'm gonna go C minus. Yeah, C minus. This was a borderline pass, but but I probably will think D plus if I ever think about it again. But we'll give it a we'll give it a nice little. You get to pass the class, but I never want to see you again as your professor. <laughs> I'm only Boy. passing you because I don't want you to retake this test or class. Awesome. Well, before we get out of here, guys, let's hit that weekly recommend. Weekly recommend. Okay, let's go with Richard. Yeah, there's a new book out today. Uh, I'm sure it's of some interest to Kent and Brian and everyone. Uh, Mark Leibovich is one of my favorite political writers. Um, he's covered, um, I think he's like the national political correspondent or some crazy title at New York Times. He's done a ton of stuff. But he's, the last two years, taken a break from D.C. and has done like a really hardcore research on uh, the NFL. And so he's like gotten in with super sourced with all the owners and commissioner and all that stuff. And he's kind of writing about uh, the NFL with a somewhat of a critical eye, but he's really good at kind of presenting all sides to something and being appropriately snarky and stuff. So anyway, came out today. I'm like, just, I don't know, a certain amount of pages in, not too deep in and I'm loving it, man. He's such a great writer, such a fun writer, has such an ease with the material. Um, and it's, it's a book that, probably needed to be written because that's something that's really in the narrative right now and a lot of different cultural uh uh things so it's it's uh it's it's a really good read i recommend it his style was is really easy as well i think a lot of people will uh enjoy him both as a reporter and as a stylist yeah i i had heard about the book hadn't read it or anything didn't know about it at all until we went to go talk to um our owner jerry jones and a lot of PR guys, like before the interview, came up and was like, "Hey, no, no questions about the book." We're like, <laughs> no, I- "We're like, okay." <laughs> like we had no idea what he was talking about, but uh, I guess it has something to do with that. There's probably something said in there about him that um, made headlines that day. Still not, still don't know what it was. Wouldn't have asked it anyway, but um, definitely piqued my interest on maybe seeking the book out and. Um, I'm so far in the weeds in the NFL, though, that I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if, like, reading a yeah. book about the NFL would... Yeah, you may not. That, that makes total sense. I get that. That's totally fair. It's, ugh. Let's just say... I read a lot of contact lens fan fiction, though. So <laughs> yeah. Both sides of the argument. Yeah. <laughs> so much more erotica out there than you would think in that field. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Toric, multifocals, presbyopa... <laughs> <laughs> Astigmatism. <laughs> I think I think most most um, most of what I'll say about the NFL is ninety nine percent of people have no idea what the heck they're doing. Is what I've pretty much found. So yeah, that's that should be um, kind of the thesis of the statement um, for the book. But I'm excited to read it. Actually, Hopefully I think it is kind of. I think that is kind of the the end yeah. result of. Uh, yeah. It's like we're all we're all in charge of these billion dollar companies, and really no one 
knows what they're doing. Yeah, and the yeah. revenue and, is never stopping. It just keeps yeah. pouring in. So like, there's, there's no reason no, to change or anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And that's totally yeah. kind of fair in a lot of ways. I get that. Yeah. I mean, why why upset the status quo? It is the most dysfunctional functional machine. Yeah, <laughs> out there. It's a, it's a, it's crazy. It's like everyone forgets about it too. Like, and I don't mean to put you on the spot with anything, Kent, but I just mean like everyone kind of craps on football until like the first preseason game comes along and like triples the NBA finals and ratings. And you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's right. That's why this is such a thing. Yep. That's mm-hmm. it. It's like everyone still watches the hall of fame game. That means nothing in like <laughs> August 3rd because it's football. Like once it starts coming on the TV, it just, it, people, people, uh, it, it maintains its, its cultural importance, no matter what, uh, people say in March when they kind of forget about it. That is for sure. That is definitely for sure. Well, I'll have to check that out maybe eventually. Maybe um, someday I'm not working in the league. I'll go back and read that and laugh. Um, <laughs> good recommend, though, nonetheless, for the listener. I'm going to recommend a series that I've seen one episode of that I really enjoyed, so I'll recommend that, the pilot. Um, I watched the Jack Ryan series with John Krasinski. Oh, nice. And yeah. um, a little bit of a slow burn at first, first episode. Yeah, I've heard both good and bad about it so i'm, yeah. I'm interested in thoughts. it um takes the first episode takes a while to get into it but once it gets in midway through towards the end really piqued my interest kind of ends on a cliffhanger and um john krasinski is so charismatic such a good personality such a movie star that mm-hmm. it makes it worth it if that was any uh, any other person if that was you know i don't know somebody from the CW like in that lead I, I no one would care and I wouldn't care and it wouldn't be good but which I, I bro from Supernatural though which bro I don't I don't know is that Supernatural is that on the CW the uh, it's all, I think so, yeah. USA, yeah. I've never seen it so I assume by the way I got a uh, we're we're a Roku family and <laughs> it's always makes nice. me laugh and yeah we got three Roku's no big deal kind of humble brag but uh, three Roku's that cost you 60 bucks <laughs> it did. It did. And anyway, each one kind of is different for whatever reason. And they have these remotes. I'll send you guys a pic or post it if people request. Um, and these really simplified remote, simplified remotes that are cool. And, and each one has a different set of four buttons. And it's always like Netflix. You can go straight to Netflix just hitting a button, which is cool. Hulu, uh, Sling are kind of the big three. And then the one upstairs that I'm looking at right now where I'm recording uh, is a CW button. So I am always moments away from premium CW <laughs> content. I don't have to search for it. I just simply hit my CW button and that's basically Dawson's Creek on demand, up. man. Yeah, it's I don't want. I don't have to I don't have to scroll. I don't think you guys are understanding the the, the amount of I watch CW <laughs> like <laughs> shaving 7 seconds off every right. time. It's very adds important. Up. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really funny if Richard, who has retired from TV, self-professed, retired, retired from, from TV, TV, just got super into the CW over the next few weeks. Just was really into, I don't know, Supergirl and stuff. That'd be that'd be pretty fun. I'd enjoy that. I would enjoy that. What you're going to recommend, Brian? Yeah, uh, you stole mine. I was going to say Jack Ryan. Oh. Uh, that's really good. I, I Really good is maybe a little hard, a little a little too much, but I very much enjoyed it. I I breezed through the ten episodes pretty quick. And there there may be a little bonus oh, episode ten. headed uh, wow headed in the ten hours. Just yeah, look, it's a good. It's Brian's the, 
I'll, I'll save it. I'll save it. But that's – yeah, there may be a little bonus for the VIPs headed out uh, in a week or two. So I'll recommend a book uh, that – Richard, I know, read and enjoyed as well. So we'll we'll double book to this uh, this week. Uh, you mentioned Simon Rich earlier, Kinto. He has a new book of short stories out called Hits and Misses that is maybe the funniest thing that I've ever read in my life. I was dying. There's three or four stories in there uh, that had me – I mean I was sitting by myself in my living room at two o'clock in the morning, cry laughing. It was so funny. He's such a genius when it comes to structuring these stories in these weird turn. You never really see what's coming kind of ways. And, uh, and then just also taking very simple, stupid ideas and turning them into, uh, something just truly, truly brilliant over, you know, 10 pages or something. It's, it's so Simon Rich hits and misses, all of his stuff is really good and well written. You should check it out. But this one will—I feel like I don't know if you agree with you, Richard. This was a—this would be a perfect intro into his yeah. uh, his collection of this or spoiled brats. Yeah, both of those are a lot of so, short stories, a lot of kind of a appetizer sampler of his different uh, style, and then the way they all tie together. Kent, yeah, you should. This should be your next read. You'll especially with all the amount of travel you're about to do and stuff. It's—I literally read it in one sitting. Um, it's that funny and good and just sat down for like two hours and hammered it out. And I think you would, you would cry laugh at this book. It's, it's incredible. It's, yeah. It's definitely our humor. I will definitely put it on the list. Awesome. Great set of recommends tonight. If I must say so myself, good times talking operation finale. Sorry about you, Mowgli. And, uh, we'll see what happens with, uh, the Joker movie and Wonka. But, it's been a great week here at Mad About Movies. We'll be back next week. I think we're talking Predator. Is that the week after? That's the uh, week after. Uh, next week. Next week is to be to be determined. We're so. just gonna pick up a, a wall and talk about it. <laughs> the random wall somewhere in someone's. Home. I want to do that movie Searching. That's getting pretty good reviews. That oh, I wanted to see. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. want to see that. John Cho. Yeah, right. Maybe we'll yeah. do that. That's interesting. I'd like to see that anyway. So yeah, yeah. let's do that. Okay, so tentatively, go see Searching this weekend, and uh, maybe that'll be the episode next week. But until then, where can we find you online, Bri? You can find me on the Twitter at bgill 12 You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Richard, where can we find you? Hey, you can find me on all the social media at Richard Barden. You can find me at madaboutmoviespodcast.com or the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. Or you can find me just hanging out. Just anywhere i'm just kind of around in different parks and stuff leering in a detective jacket can't watch the find cw you? yeah find me on the cw reddits find me on the on the twitter at kent garrison and uh find us online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash vip if you want more episodes of this show that are available on the regular itunes feed hit up that vip feed we got a lot of bonus content there, some throwback conversations, which we most recently talked Mask of Zorro, and we got some fun stuff coming up on that feed. So if you want more from us, head on over there and subscribe for $1 a week for all that content. Bam. Wow, that's a great deal. That is a, that is a deal. So check that out, madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, tell a friend, help grow the show. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye.
Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. Tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. 